One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Today's episode is sponsored by my Lit Daily Online Yoga Classes. This is an exclusive pass into my personal practice and program that I created from experience as a physical therapist and 20 years developing my Lit Yoga methodology. There is a different class with me every day, including special monthly live streams, so you can feel your most lit up anytime and anywhere. Get a three-day free trial today by going to movementbylara.com and clicking daily classes. Let's get moving. Good movement and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a movement by Laura podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone feel stronger and safer and better. <laughs> I can't help laughing about that because I'm with Greg Brzezinski. We're just going to move right into my my special guest star today. Greg is my producer, cameraman, more than a cameraman. People love um, seeing him on my Instagram if you haven't seen it, but Greg works for me full-time. He's part of the team. Welcome, Greg. This is actually Matthew McConaughey. I drove over to the studio today in my Lincoln, so if you like Lincolns, shout out to you. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you, uh, Matthew. Matthew, can we have Greg on the stand? <laughs> Hello, everyone. Feels good to be here. Thank you, Lara, for the warm introduction, and... Uh, this is the first for me, so we'll see how it goes. That's it, right? So uh, lots of people asked questions. I was, I get a lot of questions about you, Greg. So let's just back oh, it up boy. a little bit. You started working for me about nine or 10 months ago. Has it been that long? January 3rd, I believe it was. So prior to this incredible decision-making of coming <laughs> to work for me, what were you What were you doing with your life, Greg? Absolutely nothing. I was sitting around. No, uh, before joining Lara's team, her amazing team in Princeton, I was actually working in pharmaceutical advertising for one of the big advertising names out in New York. It's called Ogilvy & Mather. Um, I was actually at the office in Parsippany in their pharmaceutical subsector called Ogilvy Common Health Worldwide. Uh, I was working on a number of accounts as a project coordinator slash project manager when needed. Uh, I was basically working on accounts like Bristol-Myers Squibb, Johnson & Johnson, um, helping to push all the various jobs through their respective pipelines, trying to keep them completed on time and on budget. Was that fun? <laughs> I plead the fifth. Okay. Okay. So um, I think it's the reason why I think this is important to kind of just spend a little time here is that I think you're such a good example of, um, or, or you, you've probably experienced what other people have experienced is that you have a job that's paying the bills, but you were driving an hour and a half each way 
you were feeling dead inside. No, you were feeling, you know, just not inspired. And now your job is different. So first of all, how did you decide to leave that steady income and all that? And you weren't doing a lot of production or camera work, which is your first love. So mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it was, uh, I was really, before even Ogilvy, even to give you a little more background, I was really doing a lot of job hopping until I could find something concrete, something that would pay the bills. You know, your standard corporate job where you were guaranteed um, benefits and this and that. And that's always what my parents kind of instilled to me, say, you know, look for this kind of work. It's stable. You'll always have a job. And it's there's job security. In this day and age, it's not so much the truth anymore. And like you said, I went to college. I went to High Point University in North Carolina. I got a degree in communications and uh, electronic media, basically doing some sort of, you know, media production, film, photography, stuff like that. And I wasn't using my degree. And, you know, so many people go through life not using their degree and some find something that makes them happier and others get stuck in a sort of downward cycle where they're not using their degree. They know what they love, but they're afraid to take that step. And they just kind of get stuck in that vicious cycle of, well, I have this job they either like me, love me, or tolerate me. It makes no difference. But I have something that pays the bills, that pays for my family, pays for their medical insurance, this and that. And you know, I'm at a certain point in my life where I'm young enough to be able to make a a risky decision like that. You know, just kind of leave, jump onto something else, do something different. I don't really have the responsibilities that a lot of uh, older folk have. Like, you know, I don't have wife, don't have children. So for me, it wasn't so much a risk. The biggest risk was, you know, financially, like, can I make the sacrifice of jumping out of this job and without having another job lined up and pray to God, I find something that I get something and make it work. And that's when you came along and I happened to find her on indeed.com. Shout out to Indeed if you're listening. (laughs) And uh, the rest is history. And thank you, Kristen Fletcher, if you're listening. Kristen (laughs) is my COO who actually, I have to give her credit. She was the one that set up the, um, the, 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 the ad or the, um, what is it called? I don't even know what it's called, but job, job, job posting, job posting. And she said, Oh, uh, there was like 50 people that responded. And I think she cut it down to 20 right away. And then I think Greg was like the first person she interviewed and she's like, this is the guy. So a lot, I'd say about a dozen of you asked me, how did Greg and you find each other? How did, how did Greg come to work for you? Um, it really also yeah. kind of worked out too, just because, I mean, you being the health and fitness and movement expert that you are, I don't necessarily have a degree in health and fitness or kinesiology or biomechanics or anything like that, but I've been an avid health enthusiast for the last, five, let's see, I'm 28, so 15 years. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you know, doing different kinds of exercises, whether it's gym, weight training, I've tried yoga once before, before Lara even, one of those, you know, at home, popping the VHS kind of thing. Right. Uh, kettlebell workouts, cardio, swimming, all different kinds of sports. So it really just kind of worked out. I mean, this was, I honestly believe, meant to be. Yeah, I did too. And so that would be lead us into another question that several people ask. What is something that you've learned from working with me from the, from a fitness perspective, from a movement perspective, just in the listening to me talk or watching me do my thing that is translated a lot into what you do in your fitness world. How wrong I truly was. You know, I think I actually started off when I first started weight training all those years ago on the right foot. If you had seen me all the way back then, you would have been like, yeah, like you're doing everything right. Just keep going. You'll get stronger. You'll get fitter, healthier. And then somewhere along the line, 
I screwed up, started, you know, pitching at the pelvis or not moving in a certain way that promotes stability in a joint. And that eventually leads to joint degradation, soreness, muscle spasms, all of which I was having in college. I know there was one point in time where I had thrown my back out and I was 19 years old, muscle spasms for 36 hours. I was on my ex-girlfriend's floor in her dorm room, just lying there because I could not get up. I could not move. Mm. And my one buddy was like, yeah, you just got to train more. Like, it's just the muscles aren't used to being exercised and you haven't focused on that particular muscle group. You just got to keep training, lower the weight and just keep doing it and make sure you drink a lot of water. You know, certain points he made, he's not wrong. Like always drink a lot of water. You always build through repetition and variance. A lot of people don't do variance, right? but you'll know instantly if you're not doing it right. If yeah. You, you shouldn't be on the floor. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's here's a hint. If you can't move after you've done something, you probably it wasn't probably a a healthy thing. Yeah. 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 So definitely not. So you've learned um better mechanics. One hundred percent. And yeah. uh, like I always say, I mean, I think I repeat this to you at least once a week that her one mechanic that she corrected for me, amongst others, hinging at the hips has actually revolutionized the way I move, not just in the gym, but even when I'm walking or mm-hmm. standing or bending over to picking something up, washing myself in the shower, I'm, I'm like hinging at my hips in the shower. So now it's like I have PTSD of hinging right. at the hips. <laughs> You're like, oh God, I better hit. <laughs> no, but but what has that done for you? You've told me like it's increased the amount of weight you can lift. It's increased my repetition count. It's increased the overall weight I can lift. I feel zero pain and stiffness in my back. Um, it's now all more appropriately moved to the muscle groups that it was intended to work out. Uh, I have a booty now, and that's a beautiful thing. (laughs) Booty, booty. That's right. Don't (laughs) underestimate the booty. It's important to have it functionally, and it also looks good. (laughs) You know, like a flat booty. Nobody likes that. Yeah, it's so interesting. Like the hip hinge and learning how to hip flex is everything. I mean, I, I spent an hour and a half yesterday with a private, and... All, really, I said, what it comes down to, all of this other stuff that he had going on, I was like, learn how to flex at your hips. Mm-hmm. You can't properly extend your hips if you don't know how to flex there. Mm-hmm. Because what you're doing is doing, you're, you're rounding or moving somewhere else. So your glutes are not going to be inspired to fire. Um, and it, it just changes everything. And yeah, it's always fun to see when you come in and you're like, I lifted this amount or I did mm-hmm. this. And and you're you're turning that in educating others as well. And even in doing so, I mean, that one simple biomechanic correction that you've done for me, it's, yeah, I can talk all day long about how I've gotten stronger and how I've gotten, you know, this and that, but the biggest takeaway is there's no pain when you move, you can bend over and now you almost become addicted to it. Like now that when I hinge at the hips, I'm like, Ooh, I feel like the butt pulling to, you know, get me back up like a good way, not pulling like a muscle spasm pull a very good way. And I've, I always used to have this issue where, you know, because I used to suffer from anterior pelvic tilt, that I would train abs, but I wouldn't get any stronger. I wouldn't get any leaner. I felt like I was puffing out the front. And I'm like, why? I'm training. I'm, I mean, I used to run for an hour straight, burn anywhere between 400, 500 calories to 1,100 calories, and then start weight training after that. And like, I would exhaust myself, but I wasn't getting the results I wanted. And even in, I told Lyra, even after the first two to three months of hinging at the hips and then bringing that into my weight training program, I've become more toned, more lean. I've burned fat while also putting on weight of lean muscle mass. I feel like this is a 
advertisement for <laughs> lit yoga. Yeah. Even though you're not doing lit yoga per se, you're in it all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, what's been the most surprising thing? This is another question. Some people have said, what is the most surprising thing about working in this capacity? Like as the filming, producing person, uh, um, listening, he doesn't just like turn on the video and tune out. He's listening and taking notes and he does all the descriptions. So it's almost like you're getting a little educational nugget every single day, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's so funny because I actually had a conversation just last week with uh, an old college friend of mine who she's a personal trainer down in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And I had posted something to an Instagram story of me doing a, a deficit squat on elevated boxes with a kettlebell or excuse me, a dumbbell. And she was like, that looks great and all, but you know, you need to do this and adjust this and be sure to look up. And I was like, no, 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 because the cervical spine is directly related to the lower lumbar spine. I'll start pitching at the... And I went on this whole like tirade. I basically, <laughs> I apologize. I'm not going to name this individual. I hope she's not listening. But uh, I was like, you know what? I, I really appreciate all the... Um, all the insight you're giving me, but I'm really just going to stick to my uh, my personal. I call her my celebrity trainer, Lara Hyman. <laughs> she's you know the Duke grad undergrad, like she's got it all. But um, all jokes aside, I mean, I've learned significant more about the body, how it actually is intended to move, how when you are moving correctly, you'll feel it in all the right places, mm-hmm. and. I mean, it's just helped me personally along my fitness journey. So I think that's amazing. So, what has been one other? Uh, several people said, "What is something um, that most people don't know about Lara that you would like to reveal?" <gasps> hmm. You know what? We might actually have to circle back to that question. Yeah. I want to think yes, on that think one on and that. really Uh-oh. make sure I get something yes. good. Um, so, on a scale from zero to ten, how do you rate your job? Uh, your quality of life and your job. Oh, 10. Oh my gosh. At 10. Awesome. No, I'm not, not exaggerating. Yeah. I'm not being sarcastic, not kidding. I do joke a lot, mm-hmm. but I mean, this is one of, I would say you're tied for first right now. Yeah. And the only reason I say you're tied, I apologize, Aww. is because one of my previous jobs was working um, as a camera utilities assistant for the Atlanta Braves in Major League Baseball. And that I was a see, lot yeah. of fun. I it can was, see that would be fun. It was more hard work because you're out in the sweltering heat in Atlanta in the middle right. of summer and early fall. But uh, you're definitely tied for first. I mean, I come to quote unquote work every day, but I don't work. People ask Mm -hmm. like, oh, what do you do for a living? I'm like, well, this is what I do. I don't have a job per se because a job is something you hate that you have to go to just to pay the bills. I don't have that. And I'm, you know, so incredibly thankful for that. So what would you say to people? Because there are a lot of them out there who are doing that, who kind of hate what they're doing, but don't, you know, like you said, like have their, maybe even have responsibilities, but you know, life is, life, can, life, hopefully, God willing, is long. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of days in there. There's a lot of months. There's a lot of years of doing something you don't like. What, what would you say, like, now that you're living in the way that, you know, you're able to work out, you're, you're not traveling, you're not commuting an hour and a half each way, which mm-hmm. does a number on your body, and then you're actually doing what you like, what you love? Well, the first thing, I think you kind of just hit the nail on the head on that very last part of the uh, sentence there is you have to figure out what makes you tick. You have to figure out, you know, I wake up every day, I go to this job. It's great that I have it. It pays the bills. It provides some sense of security for me, my family, my children, whatever. But are you happy? Can you wake up every day and say, oh, I love being here. I love working with the people that I work with. I love doing what I do. And if the answer to those questions are no, then you have to take a step back and realize, okay, what am I actually interested in? You know, when I was a kid, I used to play sports or I used to draw or I used to write. I mean, there's 
the internet alone has done so many wonderful things for us in the sense that you can post anything online. You can become a blogger, mm-hmm. uh, a vlogger. You can post your photos online, whether it's Instagram or just generally speaking on Facebook or other, even some sort of photography repositories I don't even know about. But you have to first step back and just say, really, what is my purpose? Like, what makes me happy? And then can I potentially take that hobby or take that interest and turn it into something profitable, turn it into something lucrative? And maybe the answer to that is no. But you know what? That's perfectly fine because though it might not provide any any dollars or bills in the wallet, you go to your work or your job that you don't like five days a week, but then it provides that mental sanity that you so desperately need. Very rarely would I be able to take the time out of my day when I was working full-time and you know commuting an hour and a half up to Parsippany, New Jersey, which is just outside of New York. It really gave me very limited amount of time to do what I love, to focus on what I love. There was some downtime in the job. Advertising is very like up and down. Mm-hmm. But when you're in a particular location and you're trying to focus, but you're just feeling uninspired, it makes it so much harder. So now I'm so fortunate because I do what I love. I'm inspired every day. I mean, not for nothing. It goes without saying that I have probably one of the best, easiest bosses around right now. <laughs> but you really just have to find what you love and then... Don't make any excuses for yourself. Just do it. Yeah, I, I think that's so true. Is that we can always talk ourselves out of something, but why don't mm-hmm. we talk ourselves into something? And you know what? That's and, actually a lasting pattern yeah. that I've noticed. Because there's even some times where I see um, a, some sort of video gig that I want to like take a look at or apply to, and I'm like, oh, you know, like I don't know. I've never really shot this type of theme before. I don't know if, if that. Just, just do it. Just do Doesn't it. Doesn't matter. Right. I mean. <laughs> the old saying rings true, you know, fake it until you make it. Yes. To an extent. <laughs> yeah, fake it till you become it. It's, you know, and it's interesting because like I've been teaching for 24 years and I really feel for the most part that I'm as excited each day that I come in. Like I, mm-hmm. I mean, you probably see it. Like I love face, what yeah. I do and I feel like it's self-generating. Like it's, so when I see all these yoga teachers who are burning out or not inspired and, and, you know, fill in the blank, that could be yoga teachers, lawyers, you know, photographer, whatever it is, then that's where you have to check in and be like, what is your, what is your work environment doing for you or not doing for you? And is your work, is it depleting you? Because you should feel like it's renewing you, you know, to some degree, it really should be. There's Mm going to be things that, of course, there's things that I don't like to do that I have to do to make things run. But I do think that you are such a good example of like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to detour now and not just be slogging it out here just mm-hmm. because it's reliable and it's you know giving me an income. Right. Well, I've told my friends that too. I'm like, I would rather make less than you do, but love what I do five days a week. Yes. And I think that's the other thing is like we've over, we've really just um, overemphasized money. Obviously we need money, mm-hmm. but you know, there's, there's extremes on either end. There's some people who don't save money. They don't know how to save money. They're like, you know, just trying to make it from one uh, you know, month to the next. And then there's other people who are only driven to make money, but they're losing sight of the things that make them happy. Right. You, they're, they don't have to be mutually exclusive by any means, but you you mm. need to be fulfilling yourself in ways that are, that, you know, as the, as the advertising goes, that are priceless, that are truly priceless. Right. And that is yourself, your well-being. Mm-hmm. So in terms of what your well-being, how has your well-being been? Obviously you've said you're lifting better, you're moving better. Mm-hmm. How about other any other aspects you've noticed by living in this 
more you know health conscious right. world. Well, I mean, even like the physical stand, uh, the physical side of things that cast aside, like mentally, I'm just like there's no stress whatsoever. Mm-hmm. You've mentioned uh, a couple of times in this podcast that I used to drive an hour and a half each way. That was on on an average day. There were some times where I'd be stuck in traffic for two two and a half hours one way. Oh my gosh. Um, I can't even imagine. I know there was times uh, where I would just leave the office at the end of the day, whether that was 5 p.m. or 10 p.m. at night. And I'd go to one of my buddies and be like, dude, you got to meet me at the bar. Like, I need some drinks. Mm-hmm. And That's uh, how you I mean, download instead of going to the gym. Like, right. You have to go. Yeah. Right. And that would lead to some other bad decisions. You know, thankfully, I've never done anything stupid or ever gotten behind the wheel or anything like that at a point where I couldn't drive. But there was points where, you know, I maybe would have some beers, maybe one too many or maybe a, a, sh- a shot too many and then get into my car and be like, oh, you know, I, 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 I'm going to have to crash at somebody's house. And, mm-hmm. and then you're waking up and you got to go to work the next day, but you're in the same clothes. But so it's just like, yeah. it's a downward spiral. So right there is, I mean, mentally, I'm just completely alleviated. There's no stress. Um, and it really just all ties back into the fact that I love what I do. And Kind of tying back to the point that you made about you know money being important, it is. There's no you, you can't survive without money. But here's the thing: if you find something that you love and that you want to do for the rest of your life, financially, you will make it work. Mm-hmm. You will pick up other side gigs that complement what what whatever that hobby or whatever that interest is, and it will become profitable. I mean, Lara's a great example. I'm working towards being a great example. Mm-hmm. Uh, I work for Lara full time and I, I film her stuff. I manage her podcast. I update her website. But on the side, you know, I'm always looking at um, potential wedding gigs to film weddings, film live events. I've done Sweet 16s. He is amazing at all this stuff. So if you, yeah, <laughs> you can write me at Lara at movementbylara.com <laughs> or write Greg at movementbylara.com. And even like, even yeah. if you, let's say one of your things is that you like to travel or you want to start traveling more. That right there, I mean, yeah. doesn't necessarily have to be international. You can find pretty cheap. You don't even have to fly. You could drive somewhere, spots you don't even know about, like even in your own state or your own province. And go out there, go find something, go get lost and just kind of leave your phone at home or at least leave it on silent, put it into airplane mode, do whatever you need to do, but just separate from the digital world just for a little bit. And not right now because you're in the middle of listening to this right. amazing podcast. <laughs> But just separate yourself and just figure out what it is you want, what makes you happy, and then just go out there and knock it out of the ballpark. Oh my gosh. Greg, I think you're going to be able to have your own talk show. Um, Speaking of digital, what's interesting is we got one question, only one of the, you know, several dozen that I got and about the technical stuff. And one person asked, what do you use as your editing equipment? And I didn't know if it was like editing equipment for probably like the stuff that you do that's not on Vimeo. So when we do our live, can you maybe explain the differences? Like we do live classes mm-hmm. at the studio and those are on through Vimeo. Right, right. That's so that's actually a really good and really interesting question. I'm, I'm surprised you only got one of those because I know it's, it's like it's almost yeah. like a behind the scenes. Yeah. Like, hey, this is how we put stuff together. Right, this is how we right. curate content here yeah. at uh, Lit Yoga. Yeah, lit yoga. Um, so live broadcasts are a little bit of a, a little bit of a different scenario from what I what I do like on my own accord. Um, we basically have a, a wireless camera that is live stream capable. I plug some stuff in. I set it up on a tripod. There's about three lights we use. I plug those in. I set up the network so that everything kind of reads and communicates with each other. Um, and then basically the video output I have going to an iPad that I'm checking at all times just to make sure that the live feed A is coming through and that the audio levels are where they need to be so that everybody can hear Lara when she's going through the flow. 
Um, and then on the side of that, I have uh, a work laptop, which I have showing the output as if I were a subscriber, looking at it from the outside, making sure that uh, you know the live feed doesn't get cut off anywhere, um, whatever potential hiccups might go on, and see if I can troubleshoot that as it's going on live. And that's pretty much it. As far as like my own editing equipment, there I have my own equipment that I bring to the studio. And you know, whenever we're not filming something live, we're filming something that's uh, quote unquote a re- recording or like previously recorded. And I'll bring my camera gear for that. So I have like this you know really fancy tripod. I can't remember the name. I think it's like E Image or EK Image or something like that. I use Canon everything. I just happen to start off on Canon. Canon, you can sponsor Greg. <laughs> yeah, I have all Canon lenses. So I mean. If you make a jump from Canon to Nikon or Nikon to Sony, then you kind of got to dump all that mm, hardware yeah. and kind of like Apple to yeah, like a, yeah it's, whatever it's, that thing is called. Yeah, extremely expensive, and I just didn't want to. Uh, plus, I think Canon they are expensive, but I do think they have the best color science in the game. Uh, so when I shoot my video, I have what's called the Canon C100. That's part of their cinema lineup. I have two of those. I have a C100 Mark One and a C100 Mark Two. The Mark II is like the big older brother of the Mark I, which can shoot at a slightly higher frame rate at 60 frames per second. Uh, So if you see anything in slow motion, a perfect example of that would be Lara's uh, Guinness World Record handstand video that we shot in Foley Square in Manhattan. A lot of that was in slow motion. I put that through my Canon C100 Mark II, and that's how I was able to get those nice, crisp, clean slow motion images. Yeah. Uh, As far as other hardware goes and software, I have a whole bunch of stuff. I have external microphones. I have polarizing filters. I have various lenses. I have uh, a fancy little toy that I know Lara has seen before. She actually kind of made fun of me a little bit when I was shooting that Foley Manhattan video. Is that camera stabilizer and I have to oh, run yeah. around real fancy, real weird, awkward-like. Um, that's like a whole counterweight system. I'm not going to get into it, but I have that. I have my camera mounted on top of that. As far as editing goes, I use... All things Apple. I love Apple. I think they have a great product. They are expensive, but they get the job done and they last forever. Yeah. Um, I have a MacBook Pro that I just bought that I use uh, for video editing on the go. And as far as my software goes, I do everything through Adobe. Uh, I do have Final Cut Pro, uh, what is it, X or 10. Uh, there's certain things I like about it, but for the most part, I stick with Adobe Creative Cloud. Um, so I edit on the go with that MacBook Pro 15-inch laptop that I have. But when I have more extensive tasks, uh, whether I'm shooting in 4K, ultra high definition, or just a larger workflow overall, I take it back home to the big guns where I have uh, a desktop iMac Pro, and that thing is like a Lamborghini of computers. You're going to pay top dollar for it, but um, you know if you love what you do and you do it every day and you're turning a profit, you have no problem investing in yourself because investing in yourself is investing in your future. Yes, my goodness. That's exactly right. Invest in yourself. This is what I was telling another woman who who um, I did a private with the other day who is a yoga teacher and is doing well, but um, has just some trepidation about in putting more money into something. And I was like, listen, if you put it in the right places like mm-hmm. that, you will, you're, you're going to have to invest and you're going to invest time, you're going to invest money. And, but what you put out, you will you're going to bring back to you if you if you make the right choices. So, mm-hmm. invest wisely. Invest wisely in your time. Well, um, so we're about to close off. No, Any this has final been a lot words? Of fun. Yeah, this has been fun. I said we do another one, but let's, make it like three hours. Let's do another one. So now that everybody knows how fabulous Greg is on the mic, since he's often you know off camera, the now you can uh, ask all the questions. 
And we'll save all the personal questions for next time. So teaser. <laughs> Podcast two. Podcast two. All right. Thanks, Greg. It's a, Thank such you. a pleasure. I, and it's so fun when you do work um, with a great team, which I, I have an amazing team. And I think there is really something about law of attraction. You attract the people that that uh, kind of ma- we magnify each other and we lift each other up. And that's what it's about. Team, team, team. Teamwork is the dream work. So we're the dream team. High five. Heck yeah, we are. All right. Hugs to all of you. Sending you lots of love and always pulling for you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.